Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast looking at trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. Today we'll be looking at chapter 13 of Twilight, Confessions. Okay, so that might have sounded a bit different. So we're at the halfway point through Twilight. There's 24 chapters, we've done 12, and I thought now was a good time for a little bit of a rebrand where I'm going to now call this podcast Breaking Down Bad Books because I want to be looking at books not just in the Twilight Saga, but some other trashy bestsellers as well. So my main intention is to still work my way through the Twilight Saga, but I might just be taking a break in between novels to look at something different, just to give myself a bit of a break from Bella, because we all know I hate that fucking Bella. Yeah, that's just a heads up. So we're still going to work our way through Twilight, maybe do something else, come back to New Moon, maybe do something else, and so on and so forth. I'm excited. I think you should be excited. Let's do it. But yeah, so we're halfway through Twilight, and guys, what's really happened? Not a lot, hey? So she's moved to a new town, met a boy who tried to kill her almost, but then he saved her life. They had a lot of chats. He stalked her to a different town, and and, and now he's taken her to a shitty meadow. So let's hope the second half of the book is a bit more action-packed. Like, the plotting's all over the place. Am I wrong? No, I'm not wrong. Where we left off. We're in the meadow. Edward's just stepped into the sunlight. Bella says him in the sunlight was shocking. She couldn't get used to it because his skin literally sparkled like thousands of tiny diamonds embedded in the surface. (sighs) Yeah, this is my major gripe with this book, honestly. Like, he should be burning in the sun right now. If Buffy Summers had had her way, he'd be burning in the sun and know he's sparkling like diamonds. Where did she come up with this? Is she on crack? (laughs) Like, no other book in the vampire genre has ever entertained the thought that vampires sparkled. She, She listened to Rihanna's song, like, You're Beautiful Like Diamonds in the Sky, and she said, Yeah, I'll take that literally. That sounds cool. And the fact that in the book she has to say, literally sparkled, strikes to me that it's not a metaphor. God, guys, it's not a metaphor. As much as we wished it would have been a metaphor, it wasn't. So basically he's laying in the meadow with his skin sparkling, with his shirt still open, and he's a perfect statue and Bella's just staring at him. And then every now and then while she's staring at him, his lips move 
so fast it looks like they're trembling. And she's like, what was that? And he's like, oh, don't worry. I'm just singing to myself. You can't hear with your human ears. And like, that's rude. Does that seem rude to anyone else? Like, he could have been saying anything for all we know. He could have been saying, God, I wish I could drink your blood. And she'd be like, what was that? And he'd be like, just, just humming along to Claire de Lune. And Bella's sunbaking as well. But she says she enjoyed the sun, even though the air wasn't quite dry enough for her taste. And I'm like, oh, God, you've always got to criticize something, Bella. You're awful. But yep, she's just staring at him and she says, the meadow, so spectacular to me at first, paled next to his magnificence. And I'm still thinking, like, a meadow. A meadow to me is basic. A meadow to me is meadow lead the margarine. Like, I'm picturing the meadow lead margarine container. Maybe that's why I think the meadow's just a bit bland. But no, it's apparently amazing, but not as amazing as his sparkling skin. Ugh. And then they start playing handsies. So she's, she gets her hand and she strokes his hand. And she says it feels like stone, but stone that is also satiny smooth. I mean, that, that's a real mixed bag there. And she says she lightly trailed her hand over the perfect muscles of his arm, following the faint pattern of bluish veins inside the crease at his elbow. So Edward has veins, but is he pumping blood? Like, surely he's not pumping blood. Like, does... Does Stephanie know she's describing a dead character? I mean, he's dead. We're glossing over the fact that he's dead. We're focusing on the fact that he's undead, that he's a vampire, but like, he's dead. You're dating a corpse, essentially, Bella. And that doesn't creep her out. It's a corpse with muscles. As long as it's a corpse with muscles, she's like, I'm in. And Edward's like, tell me what you're thinking. It's just so strange for me not knowing. And... Bella calls him out. She says, you know, that's how the rest of us feel all the time. Great point, Bella. Edward seems to be wanting sympathy for the fact that he can't read her mind. And it's like, bitch, that's normal. But don't you just wish that he could read her mind so he wouldn't have to ask her all those dumb questions that we got for the past few chapters? Ah, take me back to a time when he could read minds. That's what I say. And he's like, yeah, but what were you thinking? And she says, oh, I was wishing I could know what you were thinking. Eh. So they both can't read each other's minds. Wow. What a novelty. What a point of difference. He sits up and Bella gets a whiff of his cool breath in her face. And it's sweet and delicious and the scent makes her mouth water. Like, ugh. Bella? It's not like he's wearing cologne. Like, that's just his breath. So we use some Listerine before his date. We all do that. But she's, like, intoxicated by his breath? She's just as creepy as him. I stand by that. And because she's so turned on by his breath, she leans closer, inhaling. (laughs) Yuck. And that sets him off. And he rips his hand from her and like bolts across the meadow to go hide under a tree. And she's all like hurt and shocked. She whispers, I'm sorry, Edward, knowing that he could hear. It's like, why are you apologizing, Bella? Why are you being made to feel bad for breathing in his breath? He's the one that was about to rip your throat out. And he says, oh God, I just need a minute. It's hard to sort of tell what happens there, but it's sort of a bit like, like a premature ejaculation type scenario where they got a bit too close and he had to go, go stand far away and cool off before he did anything rash. (laughs) And she says, after 10 incredibly long seconds, he walked back. I need to know if Stephanie knows that 10 seconds is 10 seconds, no matter what. There's no such thing as 10 long seconds or 10 short seconds or 10 quick seconds. 10 seconds is 10 seconds. It's a unit of measurement. 
It's just like, Bella, if you can't handle being away from your boyfriend for 10 seconds, you've got problems, sis. But he comes back and he's like, oh, sorry, I'm only human. And she's like, haha, nice joke. And then adrenaline pulses through her veins as the realization of danger finally sinks in. Finally sinks in. He's been telling her he's going to kill her eventually. And she's like, oh, wait a minute. He's going to kill me. And then Edward brags about being the world's best predator. He's like, everything about me invites you in. My voice, my face, even my smell. As if I need any of that. And then he's on his feet and he runs across the meadow and like grabs a tree branch and like snaps it in half. And he's like, as if you could outrun me laughing bitterly. And Edward, I must say, is now really the time to be bragging and intimidating her? Like she gets it, but it's like he's taunting her. And also, yeah, I get that he's pretty and his voice is nice and his smell is good, but like he's acting like everyone in the world wants him when the rest of the school seems really intimidated by him. It doesn't seem like he's drawing them in unknowingly, unwillingly. And then Bella says she sits there more frightened of him than she had ever been. She says that he'd never been less human or more beautiful. (laughs) So what are you, afraid or you turned on? And she says, face ashen, eyes wide. I sat like a bird locked in the eyes of a snake. Couple of things. How does she know her face is ashen? Also, a bird locked in the eyes of a snake. Is that a common thing that happens? Like, does that happen in nature documentaries a lot where a bird's just sitting there transfixed by a snake? Do snakes really have hypnotic powers over birds? Like, I'm picturing... Jafar's staff, that snake that hypnotizes the sultan in Aladdin. Can snakes just enthrall birds? Surely a bird would just fly away. A bird wouldn't be that bothered by a snake, would it? If she said a a mouse locked in the eyes of a snake, I'd be like, I get that. Snakes eat mice. Mm Mm-hmm. But a bird has freedom. A bird has leverage. Height is very important for a bird. And then Edward turns on his velvet voice and he's like, don't be afraid. I swear not to hurt you. And it's like, why are you now telling her not to be afraid when a few seconds ago you're literally saying, how could you outrun me? How could you ever escape me? And ripping tree branches in half. Like, that's very intimidating. Oh, but don't be afraid. But he says, oh, I can control myself. You caught me off guard. I'm on my best behavior now and I'm not too thirsty anyway. And I'm like, oh, she caught you off guard. So it's her fault. Edward's always pushing the blame onto someone else. So they go back to holding hands and he's pretty much just holding a hand being like, see, look at me, I'm not murdering you. And then they do that, that back and forth with Bella being like, oh, I know I shouldn't be with you, but I'm more afraid of not being with you. And he's like, yes, you really shouldn't be with me, but I don't want you to leave. And she's like, well, I would never leave because I don't know if I could leave. And he's like, well, that's exactly why you should leave. And he's like, but I crave your company too much to let you leave, even though I really want you to leave because you really should leave because you shouldn't be with me. And it's just shut the fuck up, the pair of you. Go hold hands in your meadow and shut up. It's exhausting. Bella's already said when she had that nightmare and she went into the forest that she'd made up her mind. That was that. Once she'd made up her mind, she didn't need to think any more about it. She'd committed. But now she's like, oh, I should leave, but I shouldn't leave. But I want to leave, but I can't leave because I don't want to leave. And it's like, get your fucking head right, mate. Did Stephanie forget that Bella had that epiphany in the forest? She forgot. She forgot. She thought oh, we need to have more character development for Bella, so I'll just make her have the same realizations every chapter. And she's like, oh, I need more dialogue. I'll make them have the same conversation they had in Port Angeles. Oh, that'll be fun for the reader. I'm sorry to sound flippant, but I can't read that again. But we do get a bit more new information where he says, never forget that I'm more dangerous to you than I am to anyone else. And she's like, huh? And he's like, well, because 
your blood so pleasant to me. It smells so beautiful to me, more so than other normal humans. And he describes it like, you know how everyone enjoys different flavors? Like some people love chocolate ice cream, others prefer strawberry. And I'm thinking, bitch, everyone prefers chocolate to strawberry. And he says, yeah, every person smells different and has a different essence. If you locked an alcoholic in a room full of stale beer, he'd gladly drink it, but he could resist if he wanted to, if he were a recovering alcoholic. But if you placed him in a room with a glass of 100-year-old brandy and filled the room with its warm aroma, then he'd probably drink that straight away without resisting. I was like, where where did that analogy go? Like, as much as I think strawberry sucks compared to chocolate, she had me with the ice cream. Simple, couple of words, got the concept. But now she's rambling on about different types of brandy and stale beer, and then there's an alcoholic involved. Like, it's, it's six lines. Six lines to make that point. And then he goes straight away, he says, well, actually, maybe that's not the right comparison. Maybe it would be too easy to turn down the brandy. Perhaps I should have made our alcoholic a heroin addict instead. If it was a bad comparison, why'd you leave it in the book? Why'd you leave it in the book? And things are just escalating. We start with ice cream, like an addictive little treat. Like everyone loves a little ice cream treat every now and then, even though we know it's bad for us. And then he's going to alcohol and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, people have problems with addiction, alcohol, I get that. And then bam, heroin. (laughs) Just jump straight to heroin at the end there. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's up on the progression to the hard drugs. But Bella's picking up what he's putting down and she's like, ah, so you would say I'm your brand of heroin, huh? And he's like, yes, you are exactly my brand of heroin. And somebody send me an email if, if they can confirm that heroin has brands. Does heroin come in brands? Like if a heroin addict was offered a little baggie of heroin, would they be like, what brand is it? <laughs> Favorite brand of heroin? Like, wh- where's he buying his heroin from with brands? Like I've never had heroin, so maybe there are different brands. Maybe. He should have just stuck with the ice cream comparison, really. Like, Bella, you're my cookies and cream. I get it. I get it. Why do you have to bring heroin into this? Especially brands of heroin. You know what? I don't even really know what heroin is. I think it's the one you heat up on a spoon. I don't know. I don't know. But apparently Bella does. Bella's like, gotcha. She's like, no, I didn't understand the ice cream. Didn't know where you were going with the alcoholic in a room full of stale beer. But, but heroin. Puh. You're talking my language, mister. And so she's like, so is it common for you to come across a special brand of heroin? And he's like, well, no. He's like, I spoke to my brothers about it. And to Jasper, every one of you smells the same. Because he's a new vampire, not because he's like racist against humans. And Emmett has actually come across two people who were his exact type of heroin. And Edward alludes to the fact that Emmett killed them and drank their blood. So that's a bit of a mood kill in the meadow. And when Bella says what happened and he's like, well, and she's like, ah, he says, even the strongest of us fall off the wagon, don't we? And the expression falling off the wagon is really more about having a drink when you're trying to not drink. It doesn't really encompass killing someone and drinking their blood. It's a bit blasé to say that he fell off the wagon when he murdered those two people. But whatever. And Bella's like, what are you asking? 
my permission, and she notices that her voice was sharper than she'd intended, so she tries to make her tone kinder. And then she narrates how calmly I could discuss my own death. (laughs) Stop talking. These types of shenanigans are why I don't like Bella. And he's like, no, of course there's hope. I mean, I know you for Emmett. Those were just strangers that he happened across. And I was like, don't say happened across. He murdered them. He killed them. He didn't just happen across them and then pass on by. And yeah, got to give it up to Bella because she's not letting it go. And she's like, oh, so if we'd met in like a dark alley or something. And he's like, mm, yeah, you got me. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I, I almost... I almost jumped in that classroom full of children. And that's interesting. So he says, it took everything I had not to jump up in the middle of that class full of children and, and I'm like, so you agree it's a class full of children and that you're not a child. By saying that, you're insinuating that you don't see yourself as a child and yet you're dating a child. So we don't see a problem with that, Ed? You should be more concerned about dating a child. And he's like, yeah, you must have thought I was possessed in that classroom. And she's like, yeah, I didn't know why you hated me so much. And he's like, oh, to me, you were some kind of demon, summoned straight from my own personal hell to ruin me. And he says, in that one hour, I thought of a hundred different ways to lure you from the room with me to get you alone. And I fought each of them back, thinking of my family, blah, blah, blah. And Edward, you could have just spared yourself the mental gymnastics and said, oh, excuse me, Sir, I've got to go to the bathroom and then just not come back. But he's like, yeah, I thought of ways to get you out of that room with me and you would have come. And she says, yeah, without a doubt. And do we know that to be true? Like, she wasn't that obsessed with him straight away. Like, she was pretty obsessed with him, but she was more like, oh my God, my hair must stink. Remember? It wasn't like she's like, I'll risk everything for this man with the cheekbones. And then he's like, yeah, when I tried to rearrange my schedule in the office... Then you came in again, and in that tiny room, your scent was maddening, and and I almost killed you then too. And I think, oh wow, you've gone from lying to a face to being very honest. A little too honest. And he's like, well, that's when I went to the hospital and said to Carlisle that I was leaving, and she was like, what? And he's like, yeah, I drove to Alaska. And he spent a couple of days in Alaska. Geography's not a super strong point of mine. I know there's Canada in between Alaska and America, but if they're in near Seattle, Alaska's not that far away. Like, he could have gone further. He could have gone to Chile. He could have swum on over to Russia. I mean, if he really wanted to get away from it, he'd go to, like, South Korea. Or maybe, like, the Ukraine or China. A, A bit of effort. He could have gotten much further away and for longer than two days. But no, after two days, he says he was homesick. So he wanted to come back. Homesick after two days? I could go traveling for three months and not even feel homesick. And homesick for forks? Homesick for forks. I can imagine someone from Paris getting homesick for Paris because they could never get a nice fresh croissant. But homesick for forks, what are you missing? We don't even know anything about Forks, really, except it's got pretty trees and shit. And he says, who were you, an insignificant little girl, to chase me from the place I wanted to be? So I came back. Which is very rude. And so you agree, you think she's a little girl? The age difference is really jumping out at me, this chap. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And then he just covers ground we've pretty much covered before about how he took precautions before seeing her, more hunting, more feeding. And he's like, but I really wish I could have read your thoughts. So what I did was I listened to your words in Jessica's mind, which is an invasion of privacy on Jessica's behalf and on Bella's behalf. And if you really wanted to ignore her, why are you, why are you reading people's minds to find out what she thinks? Because he says, I was hoping to ignore you, but you were too interesting. I found myself caught up in your expressions. Bella's interesting? That's news to me. Caught up in her expressions. She's only got a couple. And then he says, yeah, it was all going really good until you were nearly crushed to death in front of my eyes. Edward, stop blaming everything on Bella. Wasn't Bella's fault that Tyler's van almost hit her? It wasn't Bella's fault that she smells so good to you. It's not Bella's fault that you can't read her mind. Why are you trying to position everything as being Bella's fault that's impacted your life that made you run to Alaska until you got homesick and you had to come back and ignore her because she was so tantalizing? Stop making her out to be the bad guy. God, look at me defending Bella. What have I become? But of course, he's manipulating her. This is emotional blackmail again because she even says... I was relieved to finally understand, and I was filled with compassion for his suffering, even now as he confessed his craving to take my life. Everything Edward says is so, oh, poor me, woe is me, to get Bella to feel sorry for him and to reassure him, even though he should be reassuring her. He should be down on his knees saying, oh my God, babe, I'm so sorry I almost killed you like half a dozen times. Like, oh my God, babe, so sorry, won't do it again. 
But instead he's like, you really did a number on me, bitch. And then she's all, I'm so sorry. It's gross. It's gross. And then she brings up the hospital when, when she was like saying, hey, you're supernatural. And he says, as if I needed another motive to kill you. <laughs> he's not even hinting at the fact that he wanted to kill her. Before he was sort of edging around it and he was like, oh, you don't know what I would have done if I got you alone, like dot, dot, dot. But now he's like, yeah, I really had a lot of reasons to kill you. And so after that, he says, I listened to other people's thoughts to see if you'd shared your suspicions about me to them, but you didn't. And I tried to stay away from you, but it was even more impossible because of the smell of your perfumed skin. And Edward, you're not very good at trying very hard. Like you tried to run away, failed after two days. You tried to stay away from her, failed that too. This whole scene, you're basically listing all the ways you've disappointed yourself. And he says again, like, I'd have fared better if I had exposed us all in that first moment, like if I killed you then, rather than if I killed you now with no witnesses and nothing to stop me. And like, stop reminding her that there's no witnesses around and that you are thinking about killing her. And she's like, why? And he says, Isabella. Bella, I couldn't live with myself if I ever hurt you, silly. You'd know how that'd torture me. He pretty much said, the only reason I wouldn't kill you is because it would make me feel bad. I couldn't kill you because it would torture me. He's very self-centered. But he's like, no, the thought of you still white and cold, never see you blush again. He's like, you are the most important thing to me now, the most important thing to me ever. And because of that, her head's like, wow, he loves me. She says, I would rather die than stay away from you. Bitch, it's date number one. You've held hands. You've seen him without a top on. That's not even third base. That's not even second base. I actually don't even think that's first base. I've said before, I'm not good with sports, but I don't think that's first base. And she's like, yeah, I'm here, which roughly translated means I would rather die than stay away from you. And then she frowns and says, I'm an idiot. And he says, you are an idiot. (laughs) And they laugh. And I'm like, can you stop putting her down? He's always putting her down. He's always laughing at how clumsy she is. I mean, he says some nice things to her every now and then, but they're nice in that creepy way. Everything else he says is a, is a bit mean. And he says, and so the lion fell in love with the lamb. And she says, what a stupid lamb. I thought they were birds and snakes. They were birds and snakes, but now they're lions and lambs. I'm getting very confused with the animal metaphors here. And then Bella's like, well, can you tell me what I did wrong earlier? Because I don't want that to happen again. And he's like, oh, you didn't do anything wrong. It was my fault. It's like, "Mm, you're acting like it was her fault earlier. And he says, well, it was just because of how close you are. Most humans instinctively shy away from us and are repelled by our alienness. Even though earlier in the chapter, he was like, how could you resist me? Everything about me invites you in, my breath, my smell. But now, now they're being repelled by alienness. So which is it, Steph? Do they repel or do they invite in? But you've got to pick and choose to suit your narrative. And Edward characteristically just goes that one step too far. He's like, I wasn't expecting you to come so close. Oh, and the smell of your throat. Stop talking about the smell of her throat. Her throat? But she says, okay then. And then she tucks her chin in. She says, no throat exposure. And they laugh. (laughs) This isn't a laughing matter. And he's like, but seriously, it was more the surprise than anything else. And so to prove it, he like places his hand on the side of her neck. And just like grazes up against her neck, which in context is 
horrific because again he's just been talking about how he wants to rip a throat out it's not romantic oh and guess what she blushes and he says the blush on your cheeks is lovely and then he's like hey be very still and he grabs her by the face with his marble hands and then he leans towards her and rested his cold cheek against the hollow at the base of her throat really weird position um trying to picture that and i've just got to sit with that for a minute and really process what that would look like okay yep got it and then he slides his hands down the side of her neck again i guess this is foreplay doesn't sound like any foreplay that i know of but i guess this is foreplay and then he moves his hands to her shoulders And his face drifts to the side with his nose skimming against her collarbone. So he's sniffing her. But then his head rests against her chest and he's listening to her heart. And what's unspoken there is that she has boobs. So his his head's resting against her boobs. He's doing the whole, oh, I just want to hear your heartbeat trick, when really he's rubbing his face against your boobs. I went to an all-boys high school. I know these tricks. Never used them myself, but I know them. And she says she doesn't know how long we sat there without moving. It could have been hours. I'm thinking, surely he couldn't have motorboated you for hours. And then he says, here. And he grabs her hand and places it against his cheek. And he's like, do you feel how warm it is? And she's like, wow, it is warm. Because I guess her heat transferred over to his icy body. But in Bella's head, she's like, oh my God, I'm finally touching his face. Something I dreamed about since the first day I'd seen him. And like, yeah, his head was also up against your bubbies for an hour or possibly hours. But no, this is this is what's tipped you over the edge, Bells. Jesus. And then, oh God, this is so gross. And then she does it back where she's like, don't move. And then he closes his eyes and then she moves her hands to caress his cheek and... Str- <laughs> Let me say this. Delicately stroked his eyelid. Now, I'm sorry. No one finds that attractive no one enjoys an eyelid stroke don't don't come near people's eyes as the saying goes you could take an eye out with that thing i would i would hate it hate it if someone stroked my eyes when i first tried contact lenses the optometrist put the contact lens in my eye and i fainted but edward doesn't have that problem he's like oh yay she's stroking my eyelids And then she traced the shape of his perfect nose and then his lips. And again, 2020 context, stop touching people's faces. I can't imagine touching someone else's face in this day and age. Thank God they don't have the coronavirus. And he says, oh, I don't know how to be close to you. I don't know if I can. In answer to that, she leans forward and puts her cheek up against his chest and she can hear his breathing, but nothing else. So vampires breathe. Vampires glitter in the sun and they breathe. Huh. I could have sworn vampires didn't really breathe. But hey, there we are. Edward breathes. We had a whole chapter of Bella googling vampires. Sorry, not googling. Bella using a search engine, using an unspecified search engine to research vampires And I'm thinking, could Stephanie have done the same thing? Could she have researched vampires and seen, oh, they don't breathe. And she's indicating that because she can't hear his heartbeat, his heart doesn't beat, but he's got veins. Maybe I'm getting veins confused with arteries. 
I, because I guess a, a blue cheese has veins and it's not alive. So I'll let that one slide. But the breath thing, vampires shouldn't breathe. Uh, and then he presses his face against her hair and they sit there for a few minutes. Uh, but yeah, he's like, it's getting dark, so let's go home. And she's like, oh God, that's a big walk. And he's like, how about I show you something? I'll show you how I travel in the forest. So he says, yep, come on, climb on my back. She's like, huh? And she waits back to see if he's kidding. And he senses her hesitation. So he reaches for her and then slings her onto his back. So again, didn't ask for permission. Didn't wait for her to say, yes, yes, Edward, I'll hop on. Didn't give her any agency. He just said, here you go, on my back. So she, she gets slung onto his back and he grabs her hand and presses her palm up to his face and inhales deeply. And he's like, yep, easier all the time. I'm getting used to the smell. Hand smelling. We've gone from hand holding to hand smelling. Is that a thing people do? Is that a hetero thing? Because us gays, we don't go smelling anyone's hands. If someone asked me to smell their finger, I'd say, absolutely not, I'm calling the police. And he runs off just bolts through the forest like a bullet, and she's terrified. She's terrified. She's too terrified to even close her eyes. And and she says, even though they'd hiked that morning for hours, they were back to the truck in a matter of minutes. And he's like, wasn't that fun? Wasn't that exhilarating? And she's like, got vertigo or something, because she's like, I think I need to lie down. And he's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> you didn't think that could be a possibility, Edward? And she's just standing there, still couldn't move. And then she's like, I think I need help to lie down. And then he laughs. Always laughing at her misfortune that he causes. So she's still on his back and she can't move. So he spins her around to the front of him, cradling her like a small child because she is a small child for Edward. And then he puts it down. And he's like, how do you feel? And she's like, dizzy, bitch. I'm dizzy. And eventually he's like, hmm, maybe that wasn't a good idea. And again, he says these things just so Bella can reassure him. And she's like, oh, no, no, no. It was very interesting. And he says, ha, you're as white as a ghost. No, you're as white as me. Ha, 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 banter, banter, banter. He's not funny. And she says, I should have closed my eyes. And he says, remember that next time. And she goes, next time? <laughs> which, which is a bit funny. Bella can be funny. Oh, okay. And then here comes a kiss. So... He's like, open your eyes. And she's like, all right. And he's like, I was thinking while I was running that there's something I wanted to try. And so he takes her face in his hands again. And then his cold marble lips pressed very softly against hers. And then blood boiled under her skin and burned in her lips. And her breath came in a wild gasp and her fingers nodded in his hair, clutching him to her and her lips parted as she breathed in his scent. And then he turned to unresponsive stone beneath her lips. Is that romantic? I can't remember if I read that for the first time 15 years ago. I thought, wow, that was romantic. Because kissing marble doesn't sound appealing. And then all the blood boils to her lips. Also not appealing. But I think the implication is that he's trying to control himself from murdering her. And she's like, oops. And she's like, should I move? And he's like, God, just give me a minute. Just give me a minute. (laughs) And then eventually he's like, ah, I'm stronger than I thought. And again, I'm thinking, is this a metaphor for premature ejaculation? No. 
No. And then he helps her up and he's like, are you still faint? Was it from the run or from my kissing? (laughs) And then he laughs again with his seraphic face untroubled. Seraphic? What the fuck does that mean? Okay. (laughs) So seraphic is a characteristic of or resembling a seraph or a seraphim. Now, seraphim... I think is a lyric in that song in Sister Act that the nuns sing. Seraphim! That one. So a seraphim is a type of celestial or heavenly being originating in ancient Judaism. So Stephanie just thought, I don't want to say angelic again because I've said that too much. So she whipped out the old thesaurus and she thought, seraphic. My YA audience is going to know what that means. Seraphim! (laughs) Oh, I love Sister Act. Oh, I could really watch Sister Act again. And so then because she's dizzy, there's more banter about who should drive. And and she's like, no, are you insane? I want to drive. And he's like, but you're so dizzy. You have slow reflexes. I'm so much better than you. You need to trust me. And then, and she says, no, not a chance. And then his eyebrows rise in disbelief. And she goes to move for the driver's side of the door. But he just like doesn't let her pass. Like he sticks his arm out and says, Bella, I've gone to a lot of effort to keep you alive. I'm not going to let you get behind the wheel of this vehicle. And he's like, because friends don't let friends drive drunk. She's like, I'm not drunk. And he's like, you're intoxicated by my very presence. And she says, can't argue with that. So she, she gives him the key. And he says, very sensible. And I was like, he just bullied you into letting him drive. He just denigrated you saying you're a bad driver, blah, blah, blah. You're intoxicated by his presence. And you said no, like four times. It's not like you didn't say no. You straight up said no, no chance. And he wouldn't take no for an answer. So he got a bit physical. I mean, could you get more controlling than that? That's not protecting you, sweetie. That's, that's possessing you. But she's just annoyed because he said that she's intoxicated. But Bella says, are you not affected by me at all, by my presence? And Bella, we literally just had 20 pages for him saying how much he wanted to kill you because of how nice your throat smelled. Of course he's affected by your presence, you dumb bitch. But he's like, yeah, I'll give you that. But regardless, I have better reflexes. And that's the end of the chapter. Whoa, boy, what a chapter. We got a lot of physicality. We got a kiss. We got a first kiss, which was really weird because she was just kissing unresponsive stone and blushing in her lips. So that was odd. And again, we had a lot more talk about how nice it is that Edward's not killing her. God, we should all be so grateful that Edward's not murdering his girlfriend. The next chapter is called Mind Over Matter. So that's probably going to be more premature ejaculation, Edward trying not to not to kill her while he kisses us. So that's should, that should be really fun. As always, subscribe if you haven't. Rate us if you haven't. Review me if you haven't. Send me an email to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or a tweet to podbreakingdown on Twitter. And I'll see you then. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.